welcome to the Attorney Wellbeing Podcast. I am joined as always by my co-host, Dr. Carrie O'Hara, clinical psychologist in Saratoga Springs, New York, who specializes in working with attorneys and professionals. And our special guest today, Dr. Tara Shelby from Seattle, Washington, who is the uh, director of Village Medicine, an integrative clinic um, in the heart of Seattle. And so welcome, Dr. Tara, to the show. So happy. Have a beautiful one. Welcome. <laughs> so people may or may not uh, want to hear this, but Tara and I have known each other now, I think, 20 some odd years. I don't want to say anymore because then we're going to date ourselves. But we've uh, known each other a really long time since we were both um, navigating um, the beginning of what turned out to be amazing careers and have been able to stay in contact and she is here today, um, more thrilled than I can possibly say because of the impact she's had directly on my healthcare journey. Um, as a lawyer um, in my youngest days as a law student and until today, um, and we're gonna be talking about something that she's talked to me about nearly all of my time of knowing her, which is the physical addiction to stress and what happens um, when we fight as a way of life. Um, so I'm going to give you some background on Dr. Tara. She's incredibly impressive. Um, so I'm going to go over her bio quickly and we'll just get right into it. So Dr. Tara Shelby is a naturopathic doctor and licensed midwife. Um, she is the CEO and medical director of Village Medicine in Seattle. She was born and raised in New York and she attended Cornell University with a BS in human biology, health and society. She's a graduate, she's a graduate degree in spirituality, health and medicine a naturopathic doctorate and licensed midwifery degrees from Bastyr University in Seattle. She has significant research history through the University of Washington Center for AIDS Research and is a certified disease intervention specialist. Dr. Shelby is also an advanced practitioner through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, DC. And she describes herself accurately, I may say, as a curious science and child of the universe. Welcome, Dr. Shelby. Hello, all you beautiful beings. <laughs> so we've had an opportunity to, um, to sort of go through your bona fides, which I think kind of speak for themselves, but, but nothing really speaks to, I think, your deep knowledge of uh, the physical uh, addiction to stress and hormone regulation inside the body that's brought on by overwork. And a long time ago, you called that American Syndrome X to me. I don't know if it's still the name, but I can remember where I was sitting the first time we talked about that uh, as an aspect of my young lawyer life. So can you talk about where we are with that today, if that's still the name and if you still see it? So I totally made up that name. <laughs> and part of it is as bona fide as you believe I am when you hear or those that have been through graduate school, all the doctorates, all the masters, everything else, what does that really mean? That means you're in a lot of debt, which puts on a whole <laughs> other realm of pressure that we feel and don't always acknowledge. So along with all of those degrees comes a lot of other stresses that we don't always um, uh, perhaps articulate appropriately. And so well, there's plenty of listeners who have a mountain of debt. Exactly. Exactly. So, company. <laughs> right. So there's off, often there's, Oh, how many doctorates and masters do you have? It's like, well, actually, 
And yes, we are, we've been raised in this culturally. And so it's actually really funny. I love treating attorneys and not just because I adore you, Libby, but also because attorneys, they're like, they're trained to be strategic perfectionists, really at the cost of their own mindfulness and deep inner self-awareness is what I've seen and noticed. So they're so busy taking in the room and thinking 10 steps ahead that in some ways they're processing and preparing for a much larger ripple effect with every move that they make. So one of the things I've really noticed for specifically treating attorneys is one, the brilliant. So it's actually really awesome because when you give them information, they're able to take it and they become empowered with it. And they're actually able to um, <clears throat> really implement change once they understand what's going on. And the other thing that I noticed with attorneys and, and again, most professionals with se severe addictions to stress is uh, that I often apologize right before I hand them a treatment plan because as a physician, I know my grammar, um, I know my punctuation and my spelling is going to be terrible. So. <laughs> What I know is they're coming in with a, a series of um, sort of uh, definitely an addiction to what we can call a stress response. And I'd love to talk about it more because I believe it's really inherent and a problem in our education systems. And it's very similar to physicians as well because, you know, uh, I can remember the first when uh, they created a law to uh, limit the amount of time medical students could work to an 80 hour work week. And I was actually personally offended. I thought, what? How come I wasn't taught to, you know, stop working at an 80 hour work week? That's ridiculous. And then to take it in and really realize, whoa, what happened to us in our training and through what we're doing in working is it's really not okay. And so no, I vowed I to not pass this along to my residents, right? So it's, it's a bit of a hamster wheel, especially with regards to hormonal dysregulation. Well, we had um, <clears throat> the opportunity to talk earlier on an earlier podcast with a culture expert, and it brings to mind what you just said, which is that um, some of the culture that's baked into law is, but if I had to go through it, then you have to go through it. Yeah. Sort of this um, passing down of hazing until suddenly we have a moment like COVID-19 where Everybody is on pause, especially in New York. I know you're in Washington, which was also Seattle, which was also hard hit, but, but that, that suddenly all the questions that, that get asked when we slow down, and is this something I want to pass on, um, in addition to the added stress and isolation, um, I think makes these types of questions manifest. They're, they are timely to answer, right? Very much. So what do you think about that? And also, are lawyers experiencing the, the lack of the addiction to stress because there's so much of a pause? And what is that going to do to how they want to handle their health moving forward? So we'll try to fold in some of the COVID discussion as we go because it's timely, um, both in the sense of it's adding anxiety, but it also may be showing a slowdown of how exactly. people feel and how they like to feel in their body. Go ahead. Exactly. So I, I think that's really poignant. And the first thing I want to point out is that all of the body systems are connected. And so it's very hard, although I love working with specialists, how to segregate, okay, this is endocrine, this is neurotransmitter, here's our immune system with regards to COVID, what's really happening. And yet here we are, we're used to functioning like this, and all of a sudden we're, we're trapped. And 
you know, I was kind of joking around that I've been on a computer 15, 16 hours a day telemedicine and treating people. So I'm looking forward to, I'm not exactly experiencing what everybody else is. And I'm sure attorneys are doing the same thing, but what really matters here right now? Like everybody's, we have this, this moment, this pause, what really matters? And what I think is most uh, pertinent to attorneys is to take this moment to actually slow down and feel what's going on in their own bodies. Something that you haven't been given the chance to do in a really, really long time. Because, you know, I love talking about how we digest the world, literally in the microbiome, which affects all of our neurotransmitters. But usually with attorneys, I almost always begin with the endocrine system. Harry, would you, and I thank you, and I, I think just for, um, just to set up the, the, the point that Dr. Tara just made about, can you really separate anything inside the human experience? I think that's your view too, when you talk about the gestalt or the larger, that there really is no way to specialize a human being, that it's all one. Is that, that's also true from the psychological perspective too, right? Absolutely. I mean, there is no way um, to function cognitively well if your emotional world, your relational world, or your physical body is not being cared for appropriately. You know, um, and I totally agree with Dr. Tara that um, one of the things that happens uh, from a psychology vantage point is when you get used to operating in, in an incredibly high, fast-paced you know, high pressure kind of environment, you get habituated to that on a psychological level. And you oftentimes will feel uncomfortable when you try to slow down. Um, so you'll often hear attorneys say, well, I, when I'm on vacation, I've got to either continue working somehow or engage in activities that kind of bring me back up to that level. And from a psychological vantage point, we're trying to say, no, that's actually a sign. Like if you are planning a case while you're getting a massage, you know, we, we want to help you notice that and, and stop doing that. <laughs> you know, bring the brain back down so that the body and the, and the spirit and, and emotional world can kind of learn how to come down from that. And I think that's the place where I, I see saying Dr. Tara, I should call her Dr. Shelby, but it's hard for me because I've called her Dr. Tara all my life. But, um, but that's the place I think where, where we enter with, with, with Dr. Tara is to say, is that a physical addiction? When someone is on, on vacation and literally can't slow down, and we have a lot of lawyers who have come through the, the round table this week and last week saying, this is the most painful piece, like a withdrawal. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you about what I think that is. Well, first of all, it's a distraction for good reason that we were hardwired to adapt with, but it actually begins in the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is this awesome part of the brain that I'll delve down a little bit and say it's our temperature set point. So if you feel like you're freezing, but you have 102, that's the hypothalamus that is making you feel cold. So you actually shake more to create more energy so you can make more white blood cells and um, actually fry off bacteria or viruses in your system. But also it's in charge of hypervigilance. So we talk about that in the way of the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. And I always go back to explaining it with the movie Bambi, which was one of my first movies in the big 
theater and man, did that movie mess me up. So you think about the beginning with the, you know, there's Bambi grazing in the field and the mama watching her does play and oh, a Disney butterfly and a flower. So that's the parasympathetic nervous system. You're resting, you're relaxing, you're digesting food, you're rehabilitating broken down tissues and then bam, bam, running from the hunter or that's transitioning to the sympathetic nervous system. I always say running from a bear, or as one of my teachers always says, bears are wonderful. Okay, running from a bad human. So that's when you're activated, your foot is on the gas pedal and it's go, 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 which is an amazing strategy for human survival. We were hardwired to shunt production over to what's called our adrenal glands to create cortisol, epinephrine, and norepinephrine. And cortisol is that let's go, get it on, survive. Now, what happens is that cortisol should naturally start to come up between 6 and 8 a.m. Good morning, world. I'm ready to face the day, yada, yada, yada. And then it should start to come down between 8 and 10 p.m. So most of us will feel that, oh, I'm so tired, but I got to do that one last load of laundry, or I promise I'd write back that email, and da 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 And so we get re-triggered, and our adrenals that are listening to us, our body, secretes more cortisol. So now it's one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. You're absolutely exhausted, but you're sort of wired and you're thinking or you're having stress dreams or you can't sleep appropriately. And this is what goes into what we call maladaptive stress syndrome. And so in the beginning, you're pumping out more, you're pumping out more, again, for good reason. Because if you're you know, trapped somewhere, you really need to run from a bad human, you want to have the stores to be able to get up and use those adrenal hormones and go. But we get into maladaptive stress syndrome one, two, and three, where the adrenals literally become so depleted from constantly being secreting this cortisol. And we get our diurnal rhythms get really off. So we are just starting to come down because we got activated before we went to bed. And it's time to wake up. And then you have a full day. So you know, talk about the spreading of addictions, whether, you know, then we need more caffeine or we need more stimulants or we need more whatever. And we start to lose control over the natural rhythms that we as mammals should have between what's daytime, nighttime, when am I relaxed, when am I not relaxed? So it's a pretty intricate process. And when you pay attention, actually, your body will give you all the symptoms and all the signals that you actually need. Thank you. And so, <clears throat> Carrie, this brings up to my mind sort of our discussions as we sort of go around the state and talk with people um, that this has a direct impact on the ability to cognitively function, to, to the, the, the relationship with anxiety and needing to, I, you know, can you just speak to that just for a minute from, the, from what you mm -hmm. practice as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, unfortunately, we see lawyers in this state all the time where they're in what we call stress exhaustion phase, where they've been living in that environment that Dr. Tara just outlined for so long um, that it starts to affect uh, their cognition. So uh, increased mistakes, distractibility, uh, memory impairment, uh, lots of distractibility, um, and, and so on. And, and it's really um, can lead to a lot of problems for lawyers and then can worsen mood symptoms and anxiety because they're usually pretty in tune with their cognitive capacity. And when they keep making mistakes, 
and blaming themselves and pushing harder and turning towards more perfectionism to correct that versus what the actual uh, sort of treatment would be, it's like a vicious cycle. So it just simply exacerbates the mood and anxiety problems and uh, leads a lot of people into, uh, as, as Dr. Tara said, um, trying to solve it in self-destructive ways and, and develop oftentimes substance abuse problems to try to damper some of that down. Which <clears throat> and we, I think we've talked about that as, again. as, yeah, sort of a maladaptive coping. So, Dr. Tara, Dr. Shelby, are is when you have lawyers come into your practice in this state. I know you said it's exciting because we know how to follow a treatment plan, and believe me, I know because my color coded uh, treatment plans and all of my, you know, things that you tease me about. But but I know. <laughs> Um, so I'm always patient number one. I tell Carrie, like it, most of this stuff is, is tested on me. <laughs> so with that being said, um, once the lawyer comes into your office, um, what types of, of interventions uh, do you utilize in a general sense and then anything specific that you really see germane to this, this profession? Absolutely. So one of the things I do is actually look at the other endocrine organs as well as the adrenal health, because the hypothalamus sends the signal, a signal to the pituitary gland, which is also in the brain. And then the pituitary gland is what sends signals to the three major hormone producing organs. So number one are the sex glands. So we're talking about ovaries or testes, that which make estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, even some oxytocin, the love hormones. The second signal the pituitary sends to is the thyroid. Now that's your metabolism, your voice of the world, that which helps you show up and tell the truth without blame or judgment. And the third is the adrenal glands, these cute little triangular glands that sit on top of each kidney. And they secrete the cortisol running from a bear, epinephrine, norepinephrine, which is sort of like, I feel crazy and I'm running from a bear, it's adrenaline. And the third being aldosterone. Does water soak in or does it run right through you? Because it actually sits right on top of the kidneys. Now, all of these hormones are made from cholesterol. And cholesterol has gotten a really bad rap, but we watch cholesterol very differently because cholesterol can go up when you're trying to make more hormones to keep running from that bear and keep up. And it's actually the folks that have really, really, really low cholesterol that I worry about the most because now they're in this maladaptive stage where their body is sort of giving up and unable to keep up with the demand that's going on to make all these hormones. Now, again, another adaptive, uh, I would say success of the human body is that we will always shunt production from the sex hormones or thyroid hormones over to the adrenal hormones because we'll always have we'll always run from a bear before we have a regular menstrual cycle or a good sex drive or a good metabolism and plenty of energy or keep an, enough of a, a appropriate body temperature survival comes first this is how we've gotten as far as we have as humans the problem is is that um, Oftentimes, what people will actually be presenting for when we see that is erect, you know, we'll have a lot of erectile dysfunctions, uh, we'll throw all kinds of hormones at what's going on with the ovaries, or people will come in and say, you know, I'm pretty sure I have a thyroid problem, but I've had my thyroid checked 10 times and it looks 
fine, according to what my doctors say. And there's a lot of different ways we can look at it and interpret it differently. But the first thing I do is look all across that hypothalamic pituitary access to sort of get a general sense of where things are. Um, because we can be, especially attorneys, it depends on how acute the stress is, how long it's been going on for, is there some um, other childhood traumas or different situations that are going on in their life that could be pushing it further or lower, any environmental toxins that could be adding into this. And you know, we wanna remove obstacles to cure to understand where are we in, in this entire dialogue to make sure because oftentimes if we're gonna support the adrenals or figure out if they're overactive or underactive, which is really common. There's a certain place with attorneys where they're super overactive, super overactive, and then they just go to a different level of I don't care and depletion that oftentimes we end up having to treat them with adrenal hormones like we do thyroid hormones. So it really depends on the person and really individualizing exactly where they are, in which case I love to do testing. Um, and there's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty snobby. It's a good thing about being a New Yorker living in Washington, at least I can own it. And, uh, the, you know, the science that we use and really being clear and precise about where we are in this maladaptive stress syndrome, I love. I love to figure that out with people. And I mean, we've got all kinds of awesome treatments that we use. It, again, it depends where they are in that maladaptive stress syndrome cycle. And but, is, it about, is it about breaking the cycle? Is it about, is it really about um, <clears throat> finding that place for that individual that will, um, to the best of, you know, to the, to the, I don't know, to the best of their body's ability yeah. to start the process of breaking a cycle. So supporting one area of the cycle and then another and then another sort of a progressive treatment. Yeah, you know, there's the breaking the cycle sounds like you just get a pair of scissors and cut it, but it's really like a slow unraveling. And even if you don't have an acute stress going on right now, and I think this is the part that trips people up the most, they're like, well, I'm not, I'm okay. Like I've been in therapy, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I don't see a bear right there, but that's not always what the tissues of the body actually believe or agree with. So there's one thing that you could be thinking like, yes, I've been through some really hard times, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right right now, but that's not exactly what the body interprets. So helping to bridge that gap to see what the difference is, is, is really, really important because people could be fine and then wake up with a terrible nightmare or, you know, they're like, what's going on? I, th this doesn't make sense. I'm okay. But that's the rational brain. Um, what the organ systems are saying is usually something really different. So being really, really clear about where we are in that process so we can, you know, it's a small progression of, of changes over time that really lead to the difference. And, and thank you. And for, for Carrie, I wanted to ask, because I think this is where some of the, the psychological things that you see in your practice come in, which is, um, you know, even though there is not an acute um, stimulus at the moment, but there's a lot that happens um, psychologically through memory and through triggers and through other things that can trip the body also, right? Harry, I mean, just for just a minute, just yeah. to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, none of us get to adulthood without some baggage there and some worse than others. And memory is stored, you know, both within the brain itself, but also in the body. Um, so, you know, I always, you know, try to talk with people about that um, sometimes the best way to 
uh, create a memory that you want um, or to intervene with a memory that's highly destructive is actually not a cognitive exercise, but through your olfactory sense. Um, that that is oftentimes um, what triggers uh, emotional experiencing and then calm down. And people are kind of shocked by that because they, they think about it as simply just a mental exercise. Um, and, you know, to add to that, Libby, when uh, Dr. Tara was talking about this, I think the, the other dilemma that is true for law is that uh, lawyers have been trained to think that if they're experiencing distress, it's a sign of weakness. And so they become really, really good at, in psychology, what we call masking behaviors, uh, where essentially the insides don't match the outsides. So they can look really great and they can sort of deny what's happening both emotionally and physically and appear fine, but it doesn't mean it's not happening. Right. And so I, I would imagine, um, I'll, but I'll certainly ask uh, Dr. Dr. Shelby, um, I would imagine that that's probably a place where you have to start is um, with the aligning of the inner and the outer, which means no matter what you say to me, patient, here is what your test results are showing. And it's science after all, my friends. Uh, so I'll let you speak to that. <laughs> yes, it's actually really fun. Although to be quite frank, what I've experienced is attorneys are so relieved to be seen and vulnerable and safe in our care that oftentimes, you know, they're crying within the first five to 10 minutes and they can't believe it. You know, how many grown men are like, I, I, and I'm like, tissues are right there. You know, it's okay. <laughs> let's, let's see this through. Let's allow for it. And it's very difficult because yes, I agree that the, absolutely the first step is the awareness of the stress response in your body. And when we're talking about stress, you know, anxiety and excitement are flip sides of the same hormonal pathways. So it's no different than, you know, you probably finish a huge case or you're in court and then you want to go for like a 10 mile run. You know, surgeons will finish a 15 hour surgery and they want to go for a big run, which is again, another sign of that maladaptive stress syndrome where we don't know what to do without that level of distraction and we've secreted more adrenaline and more cortisol. And so what do we have to do to really shift that? So it does start with that slowing down, really taking stock of what's going on with your body and how to discharge it. And what makes us so different from the rest of the mammals is that it's actually the size of our cerebral cortex. So where they have in their hypothalamus a certain level of hypervigilance, um, and I've literally seen this on safari in Africa. I've watched a zebra almost got taken down by two lion brothers and have its sort of bum all scratched up and it survived and it went around a corner. Um, and it wasn't even that far from the lions, which was shocking to me. And it did the full body shake off, right? So from head to toe, like dogs and cats, full body shake off, and then started eating some berries. And I thought, my goodness, how can, how can they adapt that quickly and get over it? Because that's not the experience for most humans. Even if we think we're letting stuff roll off our back, most of the time it doesn't, just out of our conscious mind into deeper organs and tissues. So learning how to really discharge that or own it or just create enough spaciousness to be able to understand what's going on in the rest of the body because your body will give you signs and signals. 
that's not our fault. That's because our cerebral cortex is so much larger than the rest of the mammalian world that it, it's a challenge and it's difficult. Hypervigilance is something that is a great gift. And also, you know, if we're that hypervigilant, we have to work that hard on the opposite side of that spectrum, which is just being mindful and present in the moment. And I <clears throat> thank you. And when I, um, when we talked about this in our, um, in our, in our discussions and getting ready, one of the things that you touched on that I thought was really helpful as a gateway or a starting point um, was tips that lawyers can do now to begin to listen to their bodies. And so for you said that for many people, that relationship had ended a long time ago and that it's an invitation to start the relationship again. And here's how you do that slowly, gently, but I'll let you take it because you do it much better than I do. Uh, it's a tricky process. Um, when you are living from the neck up, uh, you're able to control this much. And usually when you start to walk back into your body, it can be quite painful. Um, so the first is really taking stock of, well, what is actually going on? Do I have a dysregulated uh, menstrual cycle or is there something going on where I'm, you know, with my functioning of all of the sex hormones that could be contributing, whether it's hot flashes, perimenopause, all of the male symptoms. The other piece is, you know, am I exhausted? Yeah, how exhausted am I? What do I need to wake up or go to sleep? So, you know, weight gain, weight loss, a lot of the metabolic, am I always freezing? Because there's lots of signs and symptoms like, uh, what we do in the sympathetic nervous system where we shunt all the blood when when cortisol is released we shunt all of the blood from our distal extremities so our fingers and toes will get really cold and move it towards a large muscle group so we can run from a bear it needs to go to the quads let's go people and so you don't even realize like wow i haven't peed in five hours or my fingers are always freezing or you know i feel like i i'm crazy all the time there's so many signs and signals of what the body does that's showing you that it's in the sympathetic nervous system but we've got to get educated to do so so in the beginning it's just a matter of building into your um, daily routines of just stop just stop and take three deep breaths and start to come into your body and just notice, just notice without judgment, just curiosity. What, what are you feeling? What's going on? Is there any body part that's speaking to you that we're kind of always trying to shush up the symptoms, but really they're our greatest asset. And then of course, being able to work with providers that are listening, that can work with you with those specific subjects. So don't settle for, you know, the, the usual, your thyroid looks fine. You know, this looks fine. That looks fine. Trust yourself. Trust your body. You are the expert in your body. I never pretend to know my patients' bodies or what's going on with them better than they do. They're the ones that live in it every single day. Part of it is being gifted with the tools um, and the skills to be able to start to understand what are the signs and symptoms that have been indoctrinated to us as something we need to suppress that really maybe we need to listen and come alive. So some of those are, I heard you say, um, your sleep cycle and getting up. So anyway, those change of day um, moments. Um, also um, sort of uh, other rhythms and cycles in the body that are related to menstrual cycles or other things that have to do with regulation. And, and what else? What are some other 
you said the the cold tips of the fingers. Temperature. Um, one of the temperature. I wanted to ask you too about heart rate mm -hmm. um, because that's something too that you know as lawyers we've been kind of trained that that the heart rate um, is um, is sometimes indicative of of unconscious stress um, moments. Absolutely. Blood pressure, respiratory rate, heart rate, all of them when you're running from a bear will go up. You'll get a little sweaty or you'll get cold. It's all of the basics, really. So sugar regulation for our type 1, type 2 diabetics, all of that will significantly shift when we're in that sympathetic nervous system state. I mean, it's amazing what we do with blood pressures uh, before and after a meditation. It's incredible. And these are all, this is all based on science, you know, in the in the early 60s and 70s, they started really studying, well, you know, how does a, a monk in India sit outside, you know, basically in a loincloth in, in a snowstorm in a cave and be able to regulate their body temperature and their blood pressure so well? And that's through breath work. That's through presence and mindfulness. The body will moderate that. It's when we don't listen to all of those little signals that they start to become really maladaptive. But yeah, the basics. Am I breathing? Am I breathing wholly? Am I feeling tension in my shoulders? What's going on with my blood pressures? You know, what's yeah. going on with my temperature? How often do I urinate in a day? I mean, it's really the basics. Am I pooping every day? Did I sleep? What's going on? And I've heard Dr. Carey talk about this too, about, you know, one of the greatest assets for anxiety is to get oxygen back into the bloodstream and to take these deep breaths. I mean, I'm starting, you know, as we, as we work deeper and deeper into the podcast series, this concept of breathing and breath work and, and the oxygen in the system being so critically important. So I just asked Carrie for a minute because I have heard you say this uh, more than once is uh, oxygen into the bloodstream in order to regulate a panic attack or an anxiety issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, um, you know, to just teach people the idea that the breath is the inroad into uh, the parasympathetic nervous system, you know, and when you're in fight or flight and you're feeling anxious um, and, um, you know, possibly even, you know, you, you notice those breathing changes. If you want to impact your heart rate, that's the way to do it, right, is to, um, you know, do the deep breathing techniques and so on. I do not do this with patients because I don't do um, full-blown exposure therapy, but in exposure therapy uh, to treat a panic attack, you demonstrate to a patient how you can actually elicit it. And it's through breathing, through, you know, taking very rapid, shallow breaths and then having them experience how the breath can actually bring on the panic-like symptoms, right? To really um, empower individuals to recognize the equal and opposite. If I can bring it on, I can also control bringing it down. So it's, it's, it's uh, paramount. I just want to mention something too that uh, Dr. Tara uh, mentioned, which um, I am hearing all the time now, that um, for individuals who utilize sort of denial or um, you know not acknowledging and becoming in tune uh, with any type of psychological experiencing, but particularly right now with the stress we're under, um, it will go somewhere. Um, it'll go into the body, you know, headaches, sleep disturbance, GI problems, um, 
colds because we're more susceptible to that and so on. But the other place it goes, and I'm hearing this every day, I probably heard it three times today, is dreams. That it's going into subconscious uh, storage and it's coming out and it's coming out in really um, dreams that feel uncontrolled, uh, anxiety dreams, um, you know, things coming up from childhood when people felt very uncontrolled, you know, out of control and, and so on. So um, I think the importance is just being sure that we get it out of our bodies and we get it out of our unconscious functioning and put it on the table. It's where we have the most uh, impact. Thank you. I, I think um, the, the confluence, again, between what you both are talking about, and again, I'm, I'm the layperson on the call, but is, is really looking at how important integrative work really is and that you know, looking at things from a holistic perspective um, is so incredibly important um, as there really doesn't sound like there's too much separation that maybe we think is there. So with that, um, my question to, because I know we don't have um, uh, much time left to have, doc to have Dr. Tyron, but we'll ask her back. The question I have for her is, what is the one thing lawyers can do right now um, where they may be at home, they may be dealing with unbelievable levels of anxiety, either triggering an underlying problem or experiencing the pause in their bodies. What is it that you would encourage them to do and what would you write on your prescription pad? Breathe would be number one. Download an app like Insight Timer or Calm and just follow. Right now, when we're trying to, as you said earlier, break that cycle, it's a big deal to do it alone. But sometimes we can distract you and lead you through this process, which is actually really helpful and, and oftentimes the first step. So do 10 minutes of a guided app, app on, on relaxation, meditation, one of those. You'll, you'll be amazed at, because you're such a perfectionist, how hard it is to really stick with it. And that will become a great little game for you to learn how to just be present, even if it's only for 10 minutes. The second thing I would really recommend is um, that you look around and because lawyers are such change makers and they're so active, would be to look around and try to find a functional or naturopathic physician uh, to work with, to actually figure out the specifics so you can be informed um, and start to learn about how you can test yourself or what's really going on here. You know, even if you do that 10 minutes of meditation once or you know, you're a superstar and do it twice a day, you will start to actually hear and see and feel and sense the signals that your body is giving you that then when you bring it to a trained professional, you can really work together to help um, kind of understand exactly where you are and have more individualized treatments. The second thing I would, well, the now third would really recommend is water. Drink plenty of filtered water and start earlier in the day. Just noticing how you absorb water, how, you, how quickly it goes through you or doesn't, and keeping, maintaining that flow. Like what are the basics that mammals need is, is water. It's really breathe, water, and sleep. Give yourself plenty of downtime and, and whatever you can do to shut off the blue light is ideal. So again, coming into your inner mammal, even though we just had that amazing full moon, would be to shut off 
the electronics or get a really solid pair of blue light blocking glasses. And when it's time for when the sun goes down, turn everything down. Put yourself to sleep the way you did your kids. It's a great moment to really allow yourself to fall into the natural cycles that the earth is is providing for us. So that's so great because I mean I as I listen I obviously apply uh, things to my own life and um, what I've noticed is during this time period my hydration is the toughest thing for me to keep up with. It is just it's you know I'm drinking my water even right now as we're on the as we're recording because it really is a mindfulness practice for me to remember. So I even have a mason jar with the number of pints so I know how much I'm drinking every day because <laughs> I have to make it a conscious effort. So I just want to summarize. I mean I think that those were which is wonderful the sort of mammalian baseline of rest, breathing, and hydration. If we just start there. Um, but I really also want to touch on something that I heard you say before we go um, about becoming your own healthcare advocate, you know, as to do with um, knowing yourself and being able to talk about what you're experiencing. Is that right? Is that what I heard you say? Absolutely. If there's one thing I know about attorneys, they're change makers. So everybody knows if there's something that needs to be changed or done, you bring attorneys into that situation. <laughs> they're the ones that really shift things. And so it's really an opportunity to begin with yourself. The more you learn about yourself, the, more, the easier it becomes uh, to really shift what it is that we're talking about here, which is the future of attorneys and wellness, which we desperately need. We need people to start taking care of themselves. There's a huge shift on this planet and we need laws. We need regulation. We, you know, we need everything done well, which begins with putting the oxygen mask on yourself first before others. So, so I beg of attorneys because they're uh, so good at learning understanding information and changing things to begin with themselves and use this as a mindful moment to take a step back and look at what's going on around you. What really matters? What have we been ignoring for a long period of time? Let's bring it out and let's deal with it. It's an awesome opportunity uh, for, for change makers. Thank you so much. Any last thoughts, Dr. Carey? I know we, this one just flew by for me. Yeah, this was great. Yeah, I I, um, I completely agree with that. You know, I, I think that the intellectual skill set that lawyers have that oftentimes is um, employed at work and works against self-care or self-nurturance, that skill set um, has an equal and opposite to it and one that you can utilize those strengths, that change-making piece in service of the self as well as the law. And so it's not a different skill set. It's simply a taking what you've got and redirecting it towards the self, which, you know, is very hard to do, but you're not having to reinvent the wheel. It's just a new application. And that's what we hope, I think, for so many of us with the podcast and the well-being task force and inviting all, all these brilliant people forward to say um, how much is out there and how many things we can um, adopt and apply in our lives to, to make us um, the most effective, productive, well-rested, hydrated change makers we can be. <laughs> and I, I also just have to say that specifically to attorneys, 
from my experience in the clinical realm with them is that you are worthy. You are so worthy of taking, being taken care of, beginning with yourself. I, I just have to say that from the amount of abuse I've, I know so many attorneys have experienced and indoctrinated into this, a, a really unhealthy culture that you are worthy. Thank you. All right, well, thank you, Dr. Tara Shelby, for joining us today, talking to us about stress and um, ways to handle it from a physical perspective. Thank you always to my co-host, Dr. Carrie O'Hara, who is always willing to jump into the depths with me. I'm so grateful to you both, and I can't wait to have you back and talk more about this, um, Tara, at some point, because as you know, you've changed my life. So, my great honor. Thank you. All right. Bye.